Welcome to the Movement Podcast, a podcast discussing all things happening in the credit union movement. Each episode will feature leaders talking history, current affairs, and how we can utilize our expertise to educate, communicate, and mobilize all to better serve our movement. Here are your hosts, Chris Kem, Austin DeBay. Greetings. I am your host, Chris Kim, and I am joined by my co-host, Austin DeBay, for our inaugural podcast of the movement. Before we get started, Austin, normally we'd give an overview and an introduction to our guests and what we'd be covering on today's episodes. But since it's our very first podcast, I think it'd be important for us to give a little background of who we are and what our experiences are and what we'd like to see from this podcast. What do you think, Austin? How does that sound? That sounds great, Chris. And uh, first off, it's just really great to be here. I'm, I'm very excited about this podcast. It's it's a long time coming in, and I'm really excited for this inaugural episode um, and getting into our future episodes. But I did have a thing that I was thinking of today, and I and I wanted to just to see if you had any idea of what it means. But I was thinking of the number thirty-one, and when in terms of this podcast, you and I, what do you think the number thirty-one means? You know, if I didn't have an idea of how old you may be because we've worked together at least for the last 15 years. I would say it was your age, but uh, I'd be a little off on that. <laughs> yeah, I am qu- not quite that young, not quite that naive anymore, unfortunately. What is the number 31? Let me ask you another question, Chris, Cam. How many years have you worked in credit unions specifically with the association? I celebrate my annual birthday with the movement at the end of every Super Bowl. So beginning of February of every year, I cap off my annual trip around the moon, if if you will. This February be my 15th year, starting on my 16th year. So you are going on your, you're almost at 16. I have just surpassed, I surpassed 16. I celebrated my 16th in July, actually at the end of July. So the 1st of August. And so uh, when I combined your credit experience with my credit experience, we have a little bit over 31 years of credit experience experience in this movement, specifically working for the trade association we do now. Now, not at the beginning, there wasn't we weren't the Mountain West Association. There was a little bit of overlap between Colorado and Arizona. But I think one of the things that's cool about this podcast, and we'll get into this a little bit later is we're going to be joined by a lot of experience. And you and I have 31 years of experience, but there's people with just that in and of themselves is 31 years of experience and much beyond that. So really excited. And we'll get into that more later. But I just thought it was a neat little little number when you think about how much time we have. It makes me feel old. Um, but at the same time, a lot has changed in those 15 to 16 years that we've been doing this. And maybe we can get into that a little bit later as well. But one of the things that I would like to know, and I think our audience would be in the, the inaugural episode at all, is to hear from you a little bit about your background. What, how did you get here from wherever you came from? And, and what if, how has your transition into, or how have you evolved into this job over the last 15 years, plus some change? It's gone by super fast. You talk about how many years that we have in, and, and I like that movement experience, you know, 31 years of movement experience. And particularly before I go into my, my bio, just in our office alone, in our staff, we have some very seasoned veterans that surpass both of us in our years of experience. So how I got to the movement is an interesting story. I have a very eclectic background, not one you would find 
that would get into this. If you would ask me as a child, if this is what I'd be doing today, I'd tell you no. So as any young student athlete growing up, I was, you know, big dreams to do big things. And school didn't pan out for me so well when I finished high school and, and, and went into the next level. So I ended up turning into the service and I, I served our country in the United States Navy for just under 10 years, uh, six years active, four years active reserves. And that led me to a government job where I worked for the United States Mint and Treasury, got elected as a labor leader. Those are bad words to some people. For for me, it's part of my background and, and made me who I am. But I was a very young 27-year-old labor leader for a federal union that represented about 6,000 employees across the country. So that born me into public policy. And, and I'm sure as we get and we go through these episodes we can get more into how I actually got into the public policy side because there's a there's a funny story that goes with that. But I found I had a niche for it. So I, I started getting more heavier on the political side of the public policy to affect change. And that born me to another job where I actually got on with an international labor union where we represented every federal organization, every federal agency, I should say, with the exception of a small facet of the Department of Justice and IRS employees. We represented a, a huge, basically the, the largest federal employees union in the country. My region that I was supporting had 13 states. So I got to know a lot of members of Congress. And it's kind of funny, some of the folks that work at CUNA today, which again, we can probably delve into this as we get into our future podcast. But some of those folks that work at CUNA used to work in some of the congressional offices that I used to visit when I was younger. But I traveled a lot quite a lot in those 13 states. And that evolved with my kids growing up and thinking that I worked in an airplane because that's really all they knew me to be. So as my children got older, I started to figure, especially my oldest daughter, she got into middle school, I figured probably needed to slow down a little bit and change pace. And so I put my feelers out so I can stay closer to home, be closer to the kids. And a person that was running the old Colorado Credit Union League was looking for someone who had advocacy experience related to not for pro- nonprofits, uh, specifically how it affected advocacy in the efforts of grassroots. And my timing was impeccable because I happened to be looking to stay home. So that's how I was kind of born into the credit union movement. You know, one thing led to another and I ended up meeting our lobbyist today, Pete Kirchhoff, and we went through an interview process and they brought me on as, as a the manager of grassroots, which we've changed a lot over the last 15 years, and, and I'm sure we'll get into all the changes that's taken place in the last 15 years. But I know I kind of skimmed over things, and we can probably go into a lot of detail. I'm sure a lot of that stuff will come out over the podcast. But for you specifically, what brought you here? What led you here? And what's kept you here for the last 16 years? That's a good question. I was not, I didn't go to college to do this. It's going to be a little backstory. I actually say 16 years, but I could tack on, you know, 10 years earlier than that because at the age of 16, actually, well, so I could add eight years, but at the age of 16, I, I was hired by my father, who was the league president at the North Dakota Credit Union League. I was hired by him to mow the lawn and being the, um, I want to say lazy son that I was. Or just the son, you know, just the teenager, I guess, is probably more accurate. There's often times where I just wasn't able to make that lawn mowing job. And, and my father, being the late president, was out there 
mowing for me, but, uh, you know, he, he had hired me for a few years to do it. Um, I created my own lawn mowing business out of it a little bit. It was just a little fun thing for, for kids, but I used all his lawnmower, all his gas, all the, anything that cost money, he came out of his pocket and then I took all the profits. So it was actually a pretty solid deal on my end, <laughs> not so much on his. Well, that was to extent of what my credit union life was going to be. When I went to college, I went into broadcast journalism, soon found out that I was not going to be Walter Cronkite. Instead, I'm going to, it took me, what, 20 some years later to finally actually do some broadcasting, which is this uh, for the first time. But I did go into public relations, media relations in college, started transitioning to that, had what I would consider if you would have asked anything from four year old me till, you know, 20 year old me is my dream job. And that was, if you would ask me then, this would have been my dream job. And that was to work for a professional hockey team. I worked for the Phoenix Coyotes, grew up in North Dakota, played hockey from the age of three till I graduated high school and then came here, came to Arizona State, got an internship with the Coyotes, loved every second of it. But about 2003, 2004, right around the time I was about to grad, or I actually had graduated, I got a job from my internship and hockey went on strike and they laid everybody off, especially those of us that were just coming on or had just come on. It was what I would consider at the time to be one of the hardest things I had faced in my life. Cause I was, you know, my father had just passed away. I had just graduated college. I wanted to start making money and needed to start making money. And I lost my job. And so, and no direction, no idea. Thankfully, through some people I knew, and I had been applying to several jobs when I was laid off for about three months or so, I found out about the job at the league. Who, the person who was who had posted the job and was the manager was named. Her name was Pat Bodner. She knew my dad from their time working. So there is a little bit of. If it wasn't for my father, I would not be here. Um, you know, I was a little bit at the beginning of my career. I was a little bit, you know, I didn't tell people that. I didn't want people to think that. I mean, I was, I was twenty some. I I looked twelve. I just didn't want them to think, oh, this this guy he's just here because he knows somebody. And it's true. It's what it was. I knew somebody. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't. I didn't even really, to be quite honest with you, I didn't really know that much about credit unions. I didn't know that much about the legislative process. So. You know, I hope Pat's not watching this later, <laughs> ever sees this and says, man, Austin's really not doing this great review of my hiring. But I, I don't mean it that way. I mean, it was like, it just it's just funny how you find yourself in this career. And then I just absolutely loved it. From the moment I first went down to the state legislature and, and tracked legislation, and really, that's what I was hired for. I wasn't doing anything major at the time. Pat was still overseeing the department. She had already provided the direction of what I needed to do. Um, I like to think of myself as, you know, capable enough to figure it out. And she saw that in me and, and, and I could, and I was a fairly decent writer and things like that. So there was a lot of trades I, I learned in college that, that I think maybe qualified, but from like this day-to-day stuff, no idea. So it was a lot of learning on the fly. And like I said, I just, I just loved it. I started volunteering. I immediately regretted the fact that I just didn't do legislative political stuff in college. I would have loved to intern. I would have loved to gone to DC to, and be a, work in a legislative office, congressional office. And, and so it came to me late and, and I got here and obviously I love it. Otherwise I would be, have been torturing myself for the last 16 years. And that's not the case. I do love it. There's times where it's not easy, but 
it's it's great to represent this industry. It's awesome to hear this. And I have so many questions that come off that. And I know as we get into our podcast, especially when we talk to other people and we talk about what this podcast is going to mean to most is the takeaways, meaning a lot of folks that come into the movement may not necessarily, that was not their first choice. They may have found it by accident or they may have been guided in other ways, but not necessarily that's something they want to do. For example, your dream to be in the NHL in the media side and, you know, in the that world of journalism. For me, I wanted to be an NFL player. I wanted to be in the FBI after that. Quick mistakes change a lot of things, but it's just interesting how we come back to this. And especially with public policy, it's hard to get into public policy. You, you, you're not just, you know, you don't just wake up one day and say, this is something I want to do. It takes time to get involved with it. So, Chris, keeping with the 31-year theme that we brought up at the beginning of this podcast, each of us have been around for 15 years-ish, and I think it would be interesting to kind of hear what you feel has changed, evolved, how, how the industry is different back 15 years ago. So, I would say about early 2004, 2005-ish versus where it is today. And just kind of get a sense of, of how it's changed for you, how you've seen it change, how I've seen it change, and maybe we look at it differently or see it the same. I, I'm just curious. And I think this is going to be a, a common uh, segment that we have, because if you think about all the folks that have worked in our movement, this is probably one of the things that will probably lead to how we need to also look towards our future, if you think about it. For me... And I, I would think it would be for you too. I think technology has skyrocketed in 15 years. When I first came, I, I can remember when I did some of my first initial advocacy campaigns. Well, actually, when, when I was leaving uh, the labor movement and I joined the credit movement, we were doing fax campaigns. <laughs> if you had a call to action to a member of Congress, you dialed up the old fax machine and, and you said, hey, this is where we stand on this issue and we're going to blow up a fax machine to an elected official. So technology had, had was just coming on board at that time, and we had been using emails, but we'd slowly been transitioning how to effectively use emails. We had to go through this Congressional Management Foundation, and we had to get their buy-in to allow us to le- to use congressional emails. And one of the first things I did when I first came on board was transition our movement from the old letter writing campaigns to advocacy online, which was email campaigns and doing a lot of legworks for our advocates. Uh, I think back to our political action, <laughs> none of it was online as far as how we fundraised. Everything was in an old checkbook, in a book, uh, old school bookkeeping, how we did our regulatory things from our compliance reports. I mean, everything was handwritten and and then transitioning that whole program to being an online program. And then kind of going back to basics on re-educating our movement on why we needed to be involved. So I look at all that back then and think the digital wave of advocacy was coming. And then shortly as as I was getting on board, social media was just just starting to take hold of the college movement and moving from the college atmosphere to working adults. And you know, I think of LinkedIn and I think of Facebook and Twitter. Don't, don't forget uh, MySpace. I remember when I first started, MySpace was like 
the king of of social media and it was put your top five or 10 friends. I can't remember. You put your own music on. It was such a unique thing. And then Facebook came and just blew it out of the water. And the offense, if you weren't, if you weren't your buddy's top five friends, I mean, right. You know, it's a sad state of affairs where we're at today with social media, but the whole idea of digital advocacy and the online, or I should just say just technology as, and as a whole, I mean, I'm sure when we bring on uh, our guests in the future, just, just the technology aspect alone from how we serve our members is dramatically changed. So for me in 15 years, I, I honestly think about, my goodness, uh, just the technology side of it alone has changed so many things in what we do. You know, to add on to that, Chris, you are a person knowing you, working with you over these years is you really latch on to new technology more than anybody else in our organization, or you have just, you're very interested in it. And you always know, I mean, I honestly, I'm drawing a blanket what that new app is with the videos, your, your kids are on it. And you were the first person that I heard about TikTok, TikTok, sorry. But see, that goes to show you, I, I can't even remember the name of this app. And you have like just this, this passion to, to kind of understand it and, and see how it can help. And that, that comes from your political background, I'm sure, is the, these unique new ways to, to communicate to people. And it's very exciting. I personally loved it when it first came out, not TikTok, but just social media in general. But the older I got, the more I kind of pulled away just because it's just, I don't know. I don't I have no really explanation. I understand the importance of it. I understand that I'm probably a little bit behind the time. Sometimes these kids come up with these new things. I don't have any kids. So that helps you not, it hurts me that I don't, I'm not as young and hip in some of these areas. So yeah, I, I you know, the, the technology thing is we are much better off because of your interest in, in this, this podcast wouldn't have ever even got kickstarted if it wasn't for your interest in these type of, social media activities. It's kind of funny you brought that up. I, I actually got more involved with social media to follow my kids and knowing how to understand what they're seeing, feeling, talking about, where to look. Cell phones is one thing to kids, but social media is a whole different beast. But how we use it for advocacy, that's been a key point for us over the last, I mean, specifically the last 10 years. It's been a, you know, a great piece for us. But I will admit, COVID has really uh, turned my attention shamefully to TikTok. And it's pretty funny. And I would agree. I think social media, I've, I've, I've sparked a new interest in social media since the pandemic and definitely been reengaged in it. I would say for me personally, what I think has changed beyond technology, I agree with everything you said, the changes there. I mean, we had emails, we didn't really even had emails. And I was the, well, the second person in our organization to get a BlackBerry behind, behind our CEO because no one else wanted to touch the new technology. But what I see is different. I kind of see in the last 15 years, three different phases of credit unions. And I think this is probably true to all businesses. I saw, you know, the early years was like that 04 till 08, 09. And that was pre-recession. And that, you know, you'd go to a government affairs conference and everybody would go. Um, you would have credit unions sending staff you know, from all different levels that ever since, and after the recession, that just stopped. It was the top senior managers or a board member or two. And that's about it. And that's not a criticism on the credit unions. It's was just economically, there was just not the money available to go to these type of conferences and, and attend. And, you know, we lost some really good advocates because people either retired or, you know, their, their positions were not kept through the recession. Then we had the recovery period, which legislatively was hard. 
We had to fight tooth and nail in Congress at our state legislatures. And then I would say maybe for the last five years, it's been a little bit more comfortable, proactive credit unions, re-engaging our membership in political activities. In some ways, we had to start over from scratch because we lost a little bit of that because the recession caused such a pullback. And so I think that's for the last five years. I do say we're probably likely to be entering the fourth phase after COVID or during COVID. I think we're in that phase. I don't know what it is that phase is going to fully look like. I know there's going to be a lot of technology involved. There's going to be a lot more interactions from our home offices, our home living rooms. And that's going to change both on the credit union side, on the politics side. I mean, if you want to talk about how politics have changed in the last 15 years, you know, that's probably its podcast in and of itself. But as an industry, I do think we're about to enter another phase. And for me, how I see my career is this is kind of like the fourth phase of, of, of kind of how we as an association work with credit unions. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's crazy to think how much things have changed. And, and that's interesting how you brought up the fourth phase. Uh, it's this next year of us transitioning out whenever we find some kind of solution to this COVID issue that we have. It's going to be interesting to see how we transition out of that. So, you know, as, as we look back and we talked about what we have been doing over the last 15 years and we've seen, you know, our transition and how the movements change, the, the biggest thing that came out of it was for you and I in our, in our segment here was technology. And I think that's going to be a, a recurring theme. But why did we start this podcast? Why did we name it what it is? How did we get to where we're at? We as a staff been talking about this for a little over a year on getting this off the ground. And we tend to believe that we are kind of ahead of the curve on a lot of things, but there's actually folks that beat us to this in the podcast world. And the wonderful thing about our movement is we have some great innovative credit unions and some innovative leaders, and they have actually jumped into this podcast world long before we have. We have folks in our national office, we have folks at our CUSOs, and we have other different type of organizations doing that. But why did we start a podcast? When I look at it from from my standpoint specifically, I like to look at the movement aspect. You know, we're a people helping people organization. Uh, we're really woven into our communities. And every day that people join a credit union, whether it's a member, whether it's a staff, becoming a staffer of a credit union or a staffer of association, I don't think they realize they jump into a movement. So how can we tie all these things together and talk about what got us here just in our brief conversation of our 15 years, looking at how things have transitioned over the last 15 years is incredible. The leadership in our own organization, those that have many more years of service than we have, what's changed for them? How did we get to where we're at today? I can't wait till we can interview those folks and talk about how their work in our movement has got us to where we're at today. You know, current affairs, we're in, we're in one of the greatest time frames in history. We're actually writing history day by day with COVID-19. It's been a hundred years since we've had something like this. And our credit unions have been just a critical piece for this in our communities. And how does our current affairs tie into what we're doing in the movement? What are we doing in our education and training realm? How are we communicating to our staff and our members? And, and how do we mobilize around certain collective actions that better serve our members? And, you know, so when I say what we want to see out of this podcast, I look at those three facets 
specifically on how we go forward with this podcast. I'm, I'm excited to bring on some of the organizational leaders that we have in our movement and hear how they've done things. I, I can't wait to even talk about outside influences that influence some of our folks that are inside our movement and how we move forward. You know, a lot of people don't understand how much work goes into protecting a member's daily interactions that they have with the credit union. And so with that, I'd be curious to what you want to see out of the movement podcast. And and I think that's why we called it the movement podcast. It, it, there's so many facets that go into this. And so I really, I'm probably showing my excitement too much by talking about this uh, a little zealously, but I don't want to be overzealous. I, I want to hear from you and what you think you want to get out of this podcast. I do love how you hit the movement and the social responsibility aspect of credit unions and how it's built into the philosophy. And, and if quite honestly, if we're talking about the 15 years. I don't know if I would have been here for 15 years if there wasn't that aspect to credit unions, because quite honestly, like I, I love that more than anything. I mean, I, I feel like there's a purpose to what I do. The name, the term lobbyist does not have a great image to people when they think of it. I I even hesitate to say that. I'd rather use the word advocate because it's much easier to be an advocate for something than a lobbyist for it. And, And I truly feel like we're advocates because, you know, we are taking a social responsibility in everything we do. And it's not simply for a business related. And, and, and I don't even mean that as negative because it's not, there's nothing wrong with business related issues. But at the end of the day, that business related issue is to help a member. It is not done for any other purpose. And I've never been asked to lobby for something that I personally didn't believe in. So I love that. As far as the podcast goes and what I would like to get out of it, one of my passion, social responsibility aspects of creating financial literacy. And I've been lucky enough to serve on some boards around financial literacy. I, you know, I personally struggled with financial literacy when I first got this job. So I understand how far someone could fall behind when they don't manage their money and don't know where to turn and are embarrassed. You know, there's nothing more embarrassing than not being able to pay something or not being able to pay someone back. It's you know personally, it's very embarrassing when you know you people feel like you have the means to do it, and you and you put yourself in a financial burden so much that you can't. And so anyway, that is just one the personal. On the professional side, is is I need to learn myself, and I I want this podcast selfishly to make me a better advocate for credit unions. I you know if we're talking about data security, my goodness, I am no expert. I know. I can talk about it to a legislator in in basic terms, and quite frankly, sometimes that's what's needed. But if I need, you know, some expert opinion or expert, just some expertise on it of what this issue is, my takeaway from this podcast is to learn about that and and talk about the flavor of the month and and tie in, you know, the movement aspect with the advocacy aspect. And how it all plays together. I mean, one of the things that I talk about when I go to credit unions and talk to employees that have no interest in politics, or at least never think about credit unions and politics together and try to bridge that partisan divide that people have where they're trying to get, you know, they're Republicans and they're not going to ever listen to anybody talking about a pro credit union supporter that's a Democrat or vice versa, a Democrat who would never consider a, a, a pro credit union Republican is I want you to think of that as just another aspect in your arsenal when you're considering who you're voting for. 
how the position of a candidate is on on teachers and, and teacher pay might be very important to you. And I don't want you to stop that. But I do want when you're going at the mailbox to consider, is this candidate also good for my industry that I rep, you know, that I work in? So that's your career. That's your, that's your job, but also this social layer of, you know, I want someone who wants to ensure that this industry is sticking around because I see the value of credit unions. And so if they're somehow to bridge, you know, these business related issues with these social issues with the political element attached to it and kind of get beyond that partisanship and just think of credit unions as a, what the podcast is called, the movement. Think of it as belonging to something bigger than yourself, something bigger than your job and all of these things. So I don't really have much else to add on to what you said because, you know, like I said, I, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be probably doing this job if there wasn't that aspect to it. And that's why I think it's such a natural fit to do this podcast because we are a movement and there's so many areas to talk about that are important. And I think will help some that maybe not even realize it feel good about the, the industry that they work in. I really love the way you put that, especially the social responsibility piece. You know, advocacy used to really trend high on or what people used to believe on our political side or regulatory side or our legislative side. But really, our job is to raise awareness of everything that we do in our efforts to make our members really whole at the end of the day. How are we making their lives better? How are we giving them products and services that better serve our members, which in turn serve our community? So that's it for today's episode. I appreciate it for my co-host, Austin DeBay and myself. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure you join us on our next podcast. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on iTunes or any other platform that you may use so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, have a great day. Well, that's all for today's episode of the Movement Podcast. Thanks for listening and thank you for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast listing app so you never miss an episode. Or visit us on Twitter at CU Advocacy. 